Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is The James Altucher Show. Today on The James Altucher Show. Ryan Long, my next guest, is a true choose-yourself person. This guy moved to New York and blew up not only in the comedy scene, but all over social media, TikTok, YouTube. He describes his approach, his philosophy. We talk about what's going on in the world. And I always like the perspective. Here's the thing. There's not just, comedy is not just about being funny. There's also the idea that how do you take a look at something that is either mundane or everybody assumes one thought or philosophy and you find what's unusual or what's hypocritical in what you're looking at. That is a hard skill. It's a great skill to develop. It's a skill that encourages, you know, smart skepticism and smart critical thinking. We talk about that, like how to how to basically look at things and make sure you're getting a full 360 degree perspective and we apply it to many situations in the current world. So here we go. Here's the podcast. Enjoy. How's it going? It's all right. It's like, uh, <laughs> um, I was going to tell you about this on the podcast, but the, there was a, a Japanese place right beside that was like doing the, they were staying open till like three and we were going there after the stand and stuff like that. And then they just, uh, the other day we went there and the cops came and raided it while we were there, like six cruisers showed up. Yeah. It was a whole thing. Rated it for being open. Mm-hmm. And then, cause these guys were, they were keeping it open and apparently they had like some connections They they were staying open or whatever. And then the, the cops just came and we had just ordered our food and they were just like, yeah, the whole thing shut down. And then now it's over. They're not doing it anymore. So it was wow. the last place that was staying open. But wait, is the stand open? They're doing a patio thing, but it's like, it kind of reminds me of like in Canada with the weed stuff where they were like, it was illegal, but then it wasn't illegal and there was no real rules and places kind of, they're just like, oh, I guess I'm sort of open or I'm sort of not. And that's like what it feels like in New York right now. No one really knows what's actually allowed. Yeah, no one knows because comedy, they've also, for some reason, they, they basically said, even if indoor dining opens, Comedy and exotic dancing are still not allowed. <laughs> like that yes, was a exactly. rule from about like three weeks ago. Yeah, and like, what's the difference if you have a people there and a comedian speaking with you? Know, what's the difference? So I I was just performing in Virginia, and a friend of mine there. This is going to sound like 
oh, a friend of mine, quote unquote, but a friend of mine was telling me in Maryland, uh, strip clubs are open and the strippers have to wear masks unless right. they're doing lap dances, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> I feels like it defeats the purpose to me, but yeah, I don't I know. Think, I think you'd want to be the opposite for that, right? right. <laughs> so, so, so I want, I wanted to have you on because I feel like this lockdown has been the best thing that's ever happened in your life <laughs> in the sense that <laughs> like you've totally, and you've done everything correct dead on. Like uh, just as a way of intro, Ryan Long, your podcast is Boys Cast. You're, you've been blowing up on TikTok, YouTube, every social media. I remember it feels like 17 years ago, but it was about, when did you yeah. move to New York? So I moved to New York almost a year ago as of now. That is unbelievable to me. Like, it feels like years ago. But I remember the first time you were at Stand Up New York, I was thinking, oh, man, this guy is super funny. And then after that, you ha you weren't on TikTok yet. I remember seeing you literally go from, like, zero on TikTok to at least 250,000 followers. I don't know how many followers you have right now on TikTok. How many followers do you have right now on TikTok? I think, like, 300,000. But, yeah, that's not even my biggest numbers right now. But what's what what else you've been um, exploiting? My, my Twitter probably does the biggest numbers because you know what it is? There's, I think that even kind of what you're saying is a lot of people do feel like I came out of nowhere or whatever, but you know, like- No, anything. but you didn't and you're, yeah. and you're good and you're funny. Like that's the thing is it's, it's, it's a, you work hard. I see how hard you work. But I always think of this like Quest Love quote because he said, you know, it's not enough to be gray. You really have to be contextualized as part of a culture. And I think that was- one of the things that like, so when I got here, I was getting, you know, everyone was kind of like, oh, who is this guy? Like people like you and people have me on their podcast. And, and then it started to be like, I, I developed because of that, a big enough audience that I had the ability to now go viral. You know what I mean? Like you need a certain starting point. And then, and now when I go viral and even because I'm like part of this New York comedy scene, people don't think of me as like, oh, this internet YouTube guy, they think of me as like, oh, he's one of those like New York comedians. And it's like those little things make such a shift in people's brains to how they see someone. It's really true. And I wonder, I mean, and that's the reason you moved to New York was to kind of be a part of that New York comedy scene. But I wonder if that's going to be as necessary because the reality is, you, and, and this is what I want to get to and, 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 and we'll see where, where it goes. But I sort of feel like there's almost this philosophical comedic way of looking at things. So it's not just, so yes, to be a comedian and to, to make it big and all this stuff, you have to be funny and look at things in a funny way. But, but even more than that, you have to take, every great comedian takes things and looks at things in an unusual way that nobody else is looking at. And that's where the tension comes from and, and maybe the humor. I'm not trying to define comedy. I'm trying to define almost the philosophy. And even like, let's say someone attacks you, not, be, not being defensive, but actually rolling with it in a funny way. I see that with all the funniest comedians as well. And I kind of wanted to talk about just this philosophical way of looking at things comedically, because I think you do that extremely well and it goes into your comedy, of course, and people love it. But I'm curious first about what you were saying about uh, having a cultural context. Yeah, so I can answer like kind of both of those. The first one, I think you're, you're, uh, you are right with the internet. It's less important, but sometimes it's not. I mean, so some cultures to be part of it, it does feel like you need to be physically present. And I think stand-up comedy is one of them. And just in terms of right now, when you see my videos, you see like the New York comedians, the people, oh, that's Corinne Fisher. Oh, okay, cool. You know what I mean? So yeah. there is a huge part of that. Just seeing me on these podcasts kind of puts me in that, in that place. The same way that you can, 
it's like there's lots of bands that were good grunge bands, but all of the popular ones were in Seattle. And you, you could be a guy in Delaware right now with a business idea for an app, but you're not going to, you know, meet the right guy. Just the same way if I'm here, I'm, you know, you're, you're at the clubs and someone sees you and they go, hey, you should be on my thing. You know, who is this guy? And, and just uh, even the, like the, for lack of a better word, like the networking aspect of you can, if you're in Silicon Valley or Austin or one of these places, like that's where you're going to be able to meet these people at in your normal lives that have those connections, right? So there is certain cultures that are internet cultures and Twitter is one of those I see. So Twitter, it's like you can be contextualized as part of that like Twitter sphere on, you know, on one of those cultures, like a voice for a certain thing without anyone kind of knowing where you are because there isn't like a physical component to it the way that YouTube is like a network. Like the, all the big YouTubers are in LA and they're in each other's videos. And it's like, you know, because when you think of the best bands, like if I think of the best punk bands, right? Even the ones you really like, you go, you think of them as like, oh, they were one of those bands. They were like, oh, one of those yeah. punk bands. Or he's like, oh, it's one of those like kind of New York comedians. Oh, he's part of the Rogan universe or whatever. And they're all geographically similar. And maybe there's a point where you get big enough that you can ignore that. But I think for a lot of cultures, at least in your earlier stages of infiltrating it, you need to be physically there. Yeah, that's probably true. And you moved to New York and I think like, but but what what got you known in New York was just also that you were good. <laughs> like yeah, if you moved to New so. York and you weren't that good, you wouldn't be asked back to be on stages. Yeah, that's why one of the reasons I moved to New York instead of LA is because New York's was a city that you could still um, make a name for yourself by being great. Where it's like in LA, I, I, I could show up and be the best comedian in the world. And they're like, yeah, but Jim Carrey's here. So who cares? Yeah. You know, it's like, you need to be great and more important, like you need to be famous, right? Whereas here I kind of was like, I know I have all these, you know, I did some TV shows in Canada and all that sort of stuff, but I knew no one would care. But I also knew that I was, you know, stand-up's real and I was really good at it. So I knew that I could kind of come here on that. And then to kind of go back to your original question about like the videos and, you know, the interesting way of looking at things, I always think like the things that touch a nerve the best and the most accurately is when someone says something that needs to be said that hasn't been said properly yet. And I think that's kind of like what you do with your articles too and the way, you know, a lot of the things you do. You say something on stage or you do something, you know, make a video and someone goes, ah, I've been trying to say that for a hundred years. And I think that's what a lot of times with art and, you know, whether it be business or anything, a lot of people get wrong because they go, you know, oh, it should be a meritocracy. And it's like, or, and then they'll say it's not because they'll point to look at this guy, how good he is and look at how, this guy, how bad it is. And you go, well, you're missing the part that the being on the cultural pulse is is the is just as important component like if you were the best classical musician right now and but beethoven came right now still no one would care so it's like there has to be this like a big part of that equation is understanding like the cultural uh pulse and being able to be kind of at the forefront of saying things where people go da i've been trying to say that like for my videos there's so many people that they've probably been like arguing at parties this and then i kind of like contextualize it in this little two minute thing where they just send it to someone like this is what i've been trying to say and it's funny so you can post it without uh seeming like you're trying to make some aggressive political point on the internet i think i think i think you hit on two things there one is um uh the idea of saying something that everyone was already thinking but you really kind of almost put words to it. And, and yeah, there's that feeling of you like, crystallize uh, it. yeah, that's actually what I was thinking, but I never put it that way. Like for instance, when, when you and your friend, I forget his name. Um, yeah. He, when you did the always Trump, never Trump. And yeah. 
it's like you both you both of you were defining you know in the skit were defining your identity on the basis of whether you like Trump or not like Trump, and that really underlines so much of what's happened in the polarization of the culture in the past six months. Like it's oh been God, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and you, in a two minute video, like you say, you totally grasp it. Like it always strikes me as amazing that 50 million people believe the exact same things on 20 completely different issues. <laughs> yeah. And then the other 50 million people believe the exact opposite on all 20 issues. Like that would be an almost unbelievable trillion to one coincidence. And yet it happens. I always say it, you're like you people that are like that with Trump in New York. It's like if you a lot of you guys, if you grew up in Texas, you'd just be that you would be like the person getting mad about flag burning. So anyone that has this sort of like puritanical hall monitor, you know, dangerous person mentality, it's like you would have had that somewhere else. If you're a devout Christian here and you were born in, you know, as a Muslim dude in like Dubai, you would have been a devout Muslim there. Like you have a have a, a personality that becomes like indoctrinated with dogma and and you want to enforce it, which is even worse than just a follower. But but that's why that's why it's interesting to me. And and again, almost like a lot of times I'll do a show with someone who's in in comedy and we'll kind of explore comedy. But I sort of been thinking lately there's almost like a philosophy here of individualism and, and, and that's different. And which is why I see the comedians as like blowing up now, as opposed to the political pundits, the philosophers, the intellectuals. It's like the comedians that are really kind of pointing out, like you said, what everybody's thinking but not saying. These are the people, including you, who are like really blowing up because you're saying things that everyone's afraid to say, but you're doing it in a way that's safe enough that you're not canceled forever for it. Yeah, it's an uncomfortable truth. And one of the reasons for that that I always think is because, you know, it's like a lot of people always say like, oh, are you conservative? Are you, you know, uh, liberal? And I go, I'm a comedian. Like that's yeah, the main different. way that I ident identify myself. And I see like art is more important than politics, right? So you're, a lot of people, and, and if you're, so if I was to be a political commentator, it's, it's very difficult to be like, oh, I'm just like imp impartial or whatever. It's like, A, who, what, how would you develop an audience? B, it's, it's just almost impossible to be like a commentator that's just commenting on uh, politics all day long without eventually being like, yeah, I obviously am on this side. <laughs> where, where imagine you were like a right-wing commentator and then the, it kind of switched where the liberals seem to be more of the puritanical side. And then you have to kind of be like, I am now announcing my departure from the right wing to the left. And you see that, right? Like yeah. all these like right wing guys that was like, I was a former liberal and that's their whole thing, right? Whereas if you kind of remove yourself from it, you're like, no, I I'm going to be against whoever seems to be the most infringing on, you know, who's telling you what to do the most and who's being the most aggressive about it. So then you kind of remove yourself from taking a side. Yeah, no, it's weird because there's also a challenge, a, a danger in, a, in art as you develop an audience um, there's a there's a danger all the time of pandering to the audience. Like you think to, at some point you say, "Oh, my audience really like this. I need to do this again." Yeah, no, hundred percent, of course. I, I, it's it's a hard trap to not fall into. Like it's more comfortable to put on a jersey. Yeah, like or to yeah to have a team, right? Yeah. Like like you could see people who take one side, like let's see, either liberal or conservative. Uh, it's almost like an easy way to get like a million followers if you say the right thing on that team. And I, and I could see it like in, you know, at different points, all my followers, all my new followers will be liberals or all my follower, new followers will be conservatives. And I could easily say 
at this point, I'm going to be, meat. yeah, I'm going to be like a Jew for Jesus who's super <laughs> conservative, or I'm going to be like the most liberal, you There's know. There's money to be made. Yeah. And, and, and I remember I was talking to my daughter who should not be thinking of these things at all. And <laughs> she had a, this is going to sound horrible, but she had like a cancer scare and, uh, uh, Yikes. And I was just trying to cheer up. I said, you know what you need to do? You need to do a TikTok about this. And she, <laughs> and this is before she had all the tests. And she said, you know, I was thinking that, but I don't think my audience likes that. And I'm like, you're 21 years old. You don't have a perspective or an audience yet. Like, don't, you, if you're, you're killing yourself already by yeah. thinking about your audience at this point. But that's really true at any point. Like, yeah, you, can't, like, I mean, like you look at someone like Bob Dylan, never caved yeah. in. No, it's, it's, it is very like, it's especially hard in music, right? Because, you know, things have this kind of seven year window where, you know, a band's relevant. And then, you know, if you're like a, a big, you know, Limb Biscuit or whatever, and your seven year rap rock thing's over, are you going to be like, oh, we're uh, the new thing now. We're not a rap rock band anymore. We're like a pop punk band. Everyone's like, what? This sucks. And then if you keep doing the other thing and don't change, everyone's over it. So it's like, it's very different. You'd almost have to just start a new thing if you want to stay relevant in like those music, which is why they're more of a young man's game. And then I think a lot of times why you see a lot of comedians, uh, especially people that kind of have like big Hollywood positions, or, you know, even even ones that are like in radio, you find them drifting way over to their team because it just gets so exhausting to constantly be fighting that battle of like, I'm not a team. And then eventually it's like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to be like the right wing funny guy or the left wing funny guy. And you're like, what do we think? Okay, here's what are my 10 opinions? You're like, oh, this is way easier. <laughs> yeah, it is easier because it's like you said, you could, uh, in that one video about the, tr I, I don't mean to always go back to this one video, you had like a hundred great videos, but the, the uh, always Trump, never Trump. It's like, you get to outsource all your thinking to someone else's yeah. perspective. I kind of thought of all of those for me. I, I don't know if this is how you do your, your stuff, but like, it always starts with me with one idea that I can't let go. And for that, it was the idea of, and this goes for both Trump and not Trump, but I was saying this about the not Trump people is that I know so many people that they go, you know, if you, if you met them five years ago, it was like, yeah, I used to be here's I used to be into these bands. I used to like this. I used to like this. And if you ask them what they're into now, it's like, I don't like Trump. That's kind of my identity. It's like, right. I used to like these things and now I don't like Trump. Right. And that, that that's kind funny. of, yeah, that was the like idea that like, I, I just thought about forever. So I have all these kind of, there will always be this one thing. And then I bop around in my head forever until I figure out kind of, I'm like, oh, I think it's like, that's how I'm going to do it. You know, I can't it, let it go. It's, it's interesting that actually let's, because a lot of people, so after this New York City is, is dead forever article, for instance, a lot of people were saying like, oh, James just likes to write stuff that shocks people. And that's not really how it works. Like, because then yeah, I, I would just so be either. on this treadmill of always saying like, you know, you know, white people are stupid or, you know, just some <laughs> stupid thing like that's, I think will be shocking. Then you would lose an ability to think about, you know, culturally where we are. Whereas the real roots is something's really bothering me that other people are not saying yeah. and, and, and formulating exactly. that. It's, it's a contrarian stance, but you believe it. It's like one of the, you know, another way to look at it is like, and I think this is, uh, works in a lot of different ways, but it's like, what's the thing that everyone disagrees with that I really think? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it's not that I try to be shocking. It was like, I do think this. And it's that idea of like, listen to your stomach rather than, you know, your head. I have so many kind of jokes where it's like on stage, it'll be like killing. And I'm like, you know, I don't really think this, or I think everyone else already thinks this. Whereas like there's this other ones where you have, and you kind of feel everyone in the audience go, oh, and you're like, yeah, that's, that's better. So yeah. I, I kind of, uh, you chase like that. It's kind of that like seventh sense you have or whatever. Yeah, no, I think that's very interesting. And I think that's the difference between, let's say, a beginning comedian and, and later on. And, you know, not that I'm such an expert at what the, the veterans and experts- Not just comedy though. It's, you know, it's all the yeah, same, right? It's everything. It's all, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's definitely like how I would do writing. If you're saying something that everyone else agrees with, then it's not, it's almost by definition, not interesting. Someone else yeah. has already written this. They can read this anywhere. Like I'm speaking in terms of writing, but even in terms of comedy, oh, a joke about Tinder. I've heard that a billion times, basically the same type of joke in one way or the other. Not that all jokes about Tinder are bad, but you have to, you have to stretch to say something new. And that should be the key is you should, I always view it with writing. I should always be at least a little bit, if not a lot afraid of what people are going to think of me if I hit publish on this. That yeah. tells me that I'm saying something new. And I have a feeling you definitely do that in comedy because every clip I've seen you do on comedy, there are some people who are saying, shit, I, either this guy's a <laughs> jerk or I can't believe he said that or they're laughing hysterically because like you said, you're finally saying what they've been thinking all along and this is like a safe outlet for them to agree with that stance. Yeah, and I, I, the truth is, like, there is a bit of, it's that thing, that's the problem with the internet. It's like when there's a difference between you're hanging out with your friends and laughing and joking, and then you're hanging out with your friends laughing and joking, and there's someone there that you know doesn't like you. So that's the kind of thing. It's like, I actually don't think a lot of these people, like, it's not that they don't like my stuff. It's that they decided they didn't before they even saw it because they consider like the point and the politics more important than the comedy. And they kind of view the world through that lens. And I was... One of the think one of the criticisms is people, you know, they they think that you know some of these things are sacred to them, you know, the same way like religious are. Like you shouldn't make fun of that because you're hurting the movement. I mean, you re realize that it's like uh, when your article happened, it was like it doesn't matter if it's true or not. It was just like you shouldn't be saying these things. We should be coming together right now. You're not helping. That's kind of the gist of it, right? Right. And it's like yeah, that may be true, like in the short term, but over like a long course of time, like shoving things down people's throats that they don't think are true doesn't actually help your movement either. And I was thinking about this with like, there's this idea that like you should now, you should have to be, you know, the left wing's kind of holy and you shouldn't touch them. And one of the reasons why you want to make fun of them more is because of that. Like they, they forget they're part of the role they're playing. It's like they say these targets are off limits and A, you just made them more funny. And then on top of that, the right wing now is more reactionary. So it's like, it's hard to make, it's, it's like less intriguing to make fun of a movement that they're not really pushing anything on you. Their whole movement is just like, isn't this stuff crazy? And then on top of that, so you like you kind of it's when you're making fun of some of the right wing stuff, it sort of feels like you know when flat earthers came out and you like almost never met a flat earther, but you saw ten thousand articles and videos about how stupid they are, and yeah. you're like the you know the it's like they want there to be more of these because they want it to be a crazy thing, but it's it doesn't really exist. So you end up kind of like making fun of like a caricature of a human, and there's no like George Clooney's not out here tweeting the Earth is flat like one basketball player did, and it was like the end of his you know that's he was the joke of the internet for years. Whereas like some of this like crazy left wing stuff like 
you know, it's like everywhere. You, you like deodorant companies are tweeting about it, right? So it's it is like mainstream. It's like mainstream stuff that everyone in their work deals with, and everyone in their house and and their family, and everyone sees it all the time. So like they do want someone that kind of says like, you know what, I'm gonna make fun of this thing, and then they go, yeah, finally, because I can't say that. <laughs> and 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 the thing is, I I feel like a lot of the times you're making fun of stuff, and it's like what your what your goal is to like, particularly in your skits, like your man on the street stuff is. Um, you're pointing, you're getting people into a corner where there's some hypocrisy. So you'll take two different um, areas that seem to be on the left side or on the social justice side. Like, let's be. Yeah, against- the left, it's good to like take apart left and woke because the truth is, it's like, you know, I know of a million left wing friends. I mean, I'm, I'm not like, again, like I come from Canada where our, our conservative party would be left of your uh, Democrat party. So if you came to Canada and you said, hey, I just support the American Democrat Party, here's what I think, they'd be like, you're a Nazi. Do you know what I mean? So like, it's all relative. And I'm, you know, it's, that's why it's like hard to say you're left or right. They switch so every second. But there's a million people that are, you know, on the left for healthcare, for all, whatever it is, right? Socially left on every issue that don't like this stuff. And I think there's more and more of them. And I have well, tons of people that message me all the time. Like, dude, I was like, as left as they come. And I think your stuff's hilarious. And I hate like all this stuff. Right, because you can't you can't go down one entire menu. And like for instance, it doesn't make sense that it, all of the people who believe in lower taxes also happen to believe that <laughs> yeah, hydroxychloroquine yeah, yeah. works as a medicine. <laughs> like like it, like all, all right. forty million of those people agree on those two completely different issues. <laughs> yeah, what are the odds? Yeah, and then and then everybody who's for in favor of greater taxes hates hydroxychloroquine, <laughs> and there happen to be. By the way, and I'll be crucified for even saying this. There's probably like fifth on the studies I've seen. There's about fifty-fifty. Like people write these. Art, you could manipulate statistics any way you want. So half the people write articles saying it doesn't work. Half write articles saying it does work, and then the other half criticizes each half. But yeah, it's like it doesn't make sense that everybody's lumped together one thing. And I think you know the word woke is a weird word because look at like what what does truth mean? So like in science, for instance something's truthful if like the scientific method experiments it. And, you know, science is about most things are wrong until we use the scientific method to have a theory, test it out, and now we know the truth. Like gravity exists, that's the truth. Or I can observe something, and even though what I observe is subject to interpretation, if I stick as closely as possible to the facts, that's at least a truth or it's the truth of my observation. Ladies and, love Ryan and James, objective truths. Yes, that's, that's an objective truth. But then, and then, but then like woke will, will sort of say, okay, now I'm awake somehow to some objective moral truth that nobody could disagree with, even though many people are confused about it. Like, uh, I think there's a lot of things, we don't even have to come up with specific examples, but your skits, I think, underline that. Like when you, the one skit I, I remember, it was about are women being shut out of jobs at as torturers at Guantanamo Bay? Like, is that fair? <laughs> is it Guantanamo Bay is a boys club? <laughs> yeah, and like people just are like, it's like you're, it's like a, a science fiction movie where you say a contradiction to a robot, and that's how you save the universe because it yeah. just like shuts down after that. Like you see people like literally their brains shutting down, like they don't know what to do. Yeah, well, and it's that like yeah, they they go. It's like you're asking about Jesus, you're like, hey, this thing doesn't really make sense. And they're just like, just shut up. Like, you know, yeah. this is what we think. You know, it's very, it's very, you know, religious. And then, and then you did another skit, like, um, uh, what do you think? You know, it's basically the idea that, you know, sex workers, that 
you know, people should do what they want. Don't, you know, don't prosecute for this. That. But hey, my grandma is a sex worker and it's, and I live with her and, <laughs> you know, what do you think I should do? And like, people are just, they, they like disconnect. Like they don't, they, they break down. Yeah, cause you basically, go further than they're willing to go on their own position and they have to argue against their own position. And you're like, okay, so there is a point where you don't agree with what you're saying. Okay. So now understand that if you think that, okay, everyone should be sex workers and whatever, you're like, okay, so you agree that a 95 year old woman who's about to die shouldn't. It's like, okay, well, someone sees your position like that, that you're just more extreme than them. Yeah. Or, I mean, I don't, I haven't seen you do something like this, but uh, I, I have, you know, I always wonder about the marriage thing. First off, the idea that you want the government to be in charge of your marriage is just a ludicrous position in the beginning. But the fact that yeah, some people I are not- I love you saying that because I just love the idea of like trying to convince your girlfriend, baby, we don't even get the government involved. She's like, <laughs> shut up. But like, just, I forget which comedian said like, okay, we love each other. Let's call the DMV right now. Like, uh, like I forgot there is a comedian who, who has said that. And, but then, but then you take it further, like- if you say to somebody, hey, do you believe that people who love each other should be allowed to get married no matter, you know, race, sex, age, whatever? And they're like, yeah, yeah, of course. And then you say, well, uh, like, I'm just taking an example. I'm making this up on the fly, but taking an example from your skit. Well, I really love my grandma. She loves me. Should we be able to get married? Yeah. And like, people will like flip out. Like, they, they, you know, because they just said something. And no, now and they don't have a moral. They can't, they can't explain it. They can't logically explain it. They just have to say, I know that's wrong. And then you go, well, why? And they start to make up, they start to make up reasons. They go, uh, I don't know, because like if you have kids and you go, oh, she can't have kids. And they go, I don't, uh, you just, you shouldn't. <laughs> right. They know it shouldn't happen, but they don't have a, cause they don't know from first principles why they think that they just know they think it. Right. And then, and then at first the example is like ludicrous. Like who cares if like, uh, you know, why are we even talking about if someone's going to uh, marry their grandmother? But then you realize it relates to this, the whole concept of what people have been fighting for decades for on marriage and what are the boundaries of it? Like what, what are the boundaries of this argument? And can't we all just be friends at some point? Like yeah. it's just, it starts to get ludicrous when you argue too much about, or you define your identity behind one argument or one, or one uh, gender or one race or, or one political stance. Like I think, a lot of it comes from people, I, uh, you know, this idea of what's called intersectionalism that I'm a, you know, black, gay, uh, you know, sex worker, and that's yeah. my identity, this intersection of these three communities. And so now I have to do everything I can to only protect that community, not really think about anybody else. And I have to assume everyone else in this intersection of communities is exactly like me. Which is 85% of the population when you add them all up and you're like, okay, right. why not just add the other 15 and you're back to individual humans? Yeah. And that's just the thing. Individuality, I think people are, what's, what's the deal? Like, are people afraid to be individuals? And I, and I think this is getting closer to like, what is the comedic way of viewing yeah, things? Well, I mean, I think that there's also, it's worth pointing out that it's like a lot of these people don't think that. I mean, that's kind of like one of the things I've been saying is, you know, it's this, it's people speaking for them that say that it's the same way. Like, you know, there's like the trans people should be able to be in UFC and fight the Fallon Fox thing, right? And every there's like this big push from like this small section of Twitter being like they should be, and there's lots of trans people being like, I don't think this, stop like making me your spokesperson. This is just like forcing me to take a position that I don't actually think. Like, I, you know, same with a lot, like I've, you know, I grew up in uh, like Toronto area, I'm, like super multicultural, my family's multicultural. And then I, you know, been in comedy my whole, like a big part of my life. So it's, you know, the most multicultural areas ever. And it's like, 
when I did the woke racist video, which was like the biggest one, it's like, there's a million like black dudes that have said to me, it's like, hey, how about I'm not a person of color comedian? How about I'm just a comedian? Like, I don't, and then these white people will be like, you need to call them that and classify. And it's like, they, they don't, like it's, they're, people are individuals too. Everyone just did like, oh, everyone in this group thinks this something. And it's like, you're speaking for them. So I think that's what a lot of it is with that intersectionality. You're like, I'm going to put these people in a group and then assign them their opinions. And I think it's, uh, uh, attract not attract maybe not attractive is the right word like seductive almost for people to be like oh yeah that is good and there's this people that are trying to help me and then you kind of realize like no they're trying to help themselves and they're kind of using you to like push some uh specific kind of uh religious agenda that they're a part of yeah no i think that's right like just just uh i mean it's interesting because you can argue from a macro point of view like maybe there's a, universally we could think human rights in every example is good and equal opportunity for all is good. Or you could think at a very micro level, like being an individual is important. And the more I cultivate my individuality, that's what's ethically good. But somehow or other, there's this, this, this wokeism. I, I don't even want to make fun of that because I, yeah, I, just, I know it's I, kind of like hack. And it's, it, it, the truth is it's up to society to decide. It's like this, there isn't an, a universal truth for whether it should be like more collective or more individual. Like, you know, and I'm sure that that's a big part of that depends on culture. Like if you took someone in a place like China where it was more the other way and they came here, they might say, I liked it better there, right? And that's like a negotiation between society. But I think they want to skip the part where they have the negotiation and then you just accept it. And I think that's where people go, well, no, like America is a fairly like individualistic society, for example. And they're like, yeah, we're just going to not do that anymore. And we're going to do this other thing. And everyone's like, we don't like that. And you're like, well, you're wrong. And stop talking about it. And it's like, well, no, this is like a negotiation. It's like if you're in a relationship and someone comes home and they go, uh, we're not going to stay up till past seven anymore. That's what we're doing. And you go, why? And they go, no questions. <laughs> and that's what it feels right. like. Like, and I, cause I, because I think it went from theory to practice. So yeah, like it used to be like it, it, it used to be like theory that academics could argue, but now it's like okay, if we're not all behaving in this way, then everyone else outside of it is canceled or you know cancel culture is almost like a dead word. But like yeah, I hate using the buzzwords too. Like I kind of yeah. know where you mean on that. You're just not a good person somehow if you don't agree with the 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 common consensus on you know if you're not this identity, then you need to shut up and you need to, to fall in line and whatever. Like it, it, it's- You don't, but yeah, they, they get mad about it or whatever. Yeah. But I, think, but I think the truth is, and like, that's where I keep trying to sort of even say with my videos and my podcast. And it's like, honest to God, like most people don't think this. That's, that's the crazy part of it. It's, you know, it's like that part where, you know, 60 years ago or in a lot of places or where everyone has to pretend that they think something because that's like the orthodox view. And then every time, you know, behind the closed doors, they're like, yeah, you just have to go to church. That's what it is there. And I think I do comedy clubs, you know, it was three nights a week for the or three, sorry, three shows a night for the last seven weeks. And you go to this, you know, audiences and they're, they're fine. They're just normal people. Everyone's just, you know, they go, yeah, you, you got to say that or you get in trouble. Like most people don't care that much. Everyone's not an activist. And it, once they started to be forced to be, it kind of even made them more mad, you know? So I, most people are just like normal people. And then other people are speaking for them. Cause you know, I'll, I'll do comedy a lot of times and me and Aaron Berg did this video. And there's this idea that people will be like, oh, sorry that you're like edgy comedy isn't working anymore. And it was like, we actually both kill like the, the comedy work. This video is currently going viral and I do very well in comedy clubs and have for a long time. The problem is you're watching it afterwards and saying you don't like it. 
but the audience loved it. Like I remember with Shane Gillis, they wrote an article being like about him being, it would be in the worst or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but you forgot to mention the part where he killed and everyone loved it. You know, there is something to be said about like, what's the philosophy of what brings people together. And that's, you know, when you're joking around with your friends and there's someone, they go, oh, don't talk about him because it's whatever. And you go, okay, so everyone's joking around and you kind of exclude him. Like, you know, like when I talk about like, it, there's a lot of Indians in Toronto and I have like lots of stuff making fun of like Indian culture and stuff like that. You know who loves it the most? Indians. Like they right. message me being like, I loved when you talked about that. Like do that more. Like, dude, they bring their friends because they're like, oh, this guy does like Indian jokes and stuff like that. So this idea that like, that actually brings people together more than when you kind of like separate people by groups and tell them one's right and one's wrong. So there's, there's also like inherent flaws in that idea that this is tearing people apart or it's the wrong one. It's like, I don't know. I, that's not been my experience with like a group of friends is that when you're joking around, people want to be like, oh, I'm the guy you can't make fun of. <laughs> yeah. Like it, let's say a friend of yours gained a hundred pounds over the summer. You're going to make fun of him for doing that, whether or not it's politically correct or not. Like it's really aimed for him, your friends. That's it's, it's calling out literally the elephant in the room. And that's that. <laughs> yeah. So what was, what's the Aaron Berg video? I haven't seen uh, it. Comedians against comedy. So I did a video, like a bunch of comedians that like are, cause you know, I, I said this, but when I, I've had a lot of, uh, I mean, I guess some degree this would happen to you too, but when I did that video, it's like, again, like 99% of the pot is positive, but you kind of end up focusing a little bit yeah. too much on the negative, but believe me. Yeah. And especially when it ends up being like someone, you know, or, but, but I, what I said was I go 99% of the people that, you know, got mad at what I'm doing work in the entertainment industry. And it was like every normal person was like, oh, dude, that's so funny. And then you see like comedians being like, this is wrong. And it was like, you know, what, what is this right now? You know, what's going on where there's this certain class of people in entertainment that kind of have, you know, power and a voice that are telling other people what they like and what they don't like. And that's kind of, you see that in TV. It's like every network's kind of going to places in the world and saying, hey, this is what you guys like now. And they're like, no, it's not. And they're like, well, too bad. That's what you get. <laughs> And I think, you know, it's, they're, they're trying to manufacture the answer and then work backwards on how to get it. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over a hundred or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period. And I loved it. I love, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests. And having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people 
who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee, and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldercher, would you like to apply to be VP of entertainment at NBC or whatever. So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything then go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I definitely gonna use him from now. Not on. that you need it. You're you're young and healthy, James. I'm thirty five. You, you're getting there. You might you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at Hims dot com slash James. Could you imagine that there's a whole section just with my name on it? Hims.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash James for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. 
See hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. It's interesting about how it's people in comedy not like, like, like yeah, or journalism or the media or whatever. Yeah, I, I wrote something once, um, nobody should buy houses. And I went through all the math of why in general, owning a home is a really bad idea financially. Like you'll lose money on it. It's not, it doesn't work. Almost so bad it falls in the category of idiocy as an investing strategy. And so many people were angry at me but when I dug down, it was everybody who, 100% of the people who were angry at me owned a home. So <laughs> yeah. I was hitting their cognitive dissonance in a bad way. And people don't even realize, oh, I might've made a wrong decision. I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna disagree with this guy. But not only that, everybody had to be angry on top well, of yeah, it. Yeah, you're not allowed to have an opinion. I don't know. It's right. Like, there isn't necessarily a right or wrong, or maybe there is on that specific well, one, but. Describe the, I remember the woke racism uh, one. What was, describe that video. Cause I remember when that one went that was like, kind of the super one viral. That, yeah, that went the most viral. Um, but th essentially it was the idea. And again, there was like three of, there was three kind of cardinal ones for me. It was the, the calling people like POCs, like always just classifying them. It's like, you know, so I said, basically it was a, a guy that was woke and a guy that was racist and they were, their opinions were very the same on a lot of different things. And so one of them was like, oh, we, I say people of color. Like I say color people, but as long as we're classifying them. And then <laughs> one, I, I love the, the one that really like stuck to me a lot is this idea that like, oh, you know, like we need to support black people. And then as soon as the guy's like, oh, I like Trump. And they're like, no, oh, you lose your black card. This idea that, okay, well, they don't count. It's kind of this idea that if you, I've, I've saw this on a lot of the diversity initiatives in entertainment, they kind of say, what they like to do is take people that look different and then make them say like 20 year old white girl opinions. <laughs> so you kind of have, it's like, you, you don't see, you know, when they're like, oh, we need diversity. It's like, you're not seeing them. There's no black Republicans with TV shows. Like what you're seeing is a lot of, you know, different colors of people saying the same thing and whatever that's, you know, it's fine, but it's like, you're using this thing to kind of usher in what you, what you want to say. So it's like, oh, let's get a bunch of different like colors of people to say what we think and then and say it's diversity. So I think that's kind of like one of the things I made the video about. And the cultural appropriation is another one. It's like this idea that people shouldn't be like sharing, uh, you know, culture and stuff. Like coming from a guy that's metropolitan, I almost feel like Toronto's like, and Canada's a bit more post-racial than America. So we're almost like in a lot of ways, 10 years ahead. And all of that, is coming back down a little bit, but this, um, with, if you're going to live in any multicultural city where people get along and they don't see themselves differently, it's like when we were in high school, like my friends were classified way more by what music you're into or whether you're like a skateboarder or a rap guy. And that wasn't a black and white thing. It was like half white guys have black guys, or maybe it was an athlete. That was like a type of guy, that kind of thing. Right. And race was like very, um, on not a part of it. The same way in the UK, you see way more interracial marriages. It's way more like a class thing. Like it's, it's sort of like that in Toronto. So this idea that like race is everything and, and people shouldn't share their thing. It's like, the, it's just like a regressive way of thinking. And it's like, even if you don't like it, cause I know there is this idea where it's like, okay, well, when you have, um, rap bands for, you know, rap groups or whatever, the, you're kind of saying like, well, white people are coming and taking the money. It's like, well, first of all, a lot of times that doesn't happen. And that's why you have a lot of big rap billionaires because the industry is always late to catch up to trends, right? So it's, it's and a lot of times that's not what happens. They miss it, especially these days. But on top of that, 
it's like there are progress does it's not all positive so it's like yeah it is a positive to move to a place where we all kind of share culture and do each other's things and celebrate it and maybe the negative part about that is that there you know you lose control of your own culture to the same way but you know if you would argue that like okay well let's keep everything the same and you have your culture and i have my culture and it's kind of that idea where um you're classifying people again. And I had the racist thing where it's like, all white people are racist. And the the, the racist guy's like, oh, I just kicked out of, even if you have a black girlfriend, you're still racist. And the guy's like, well, I just kicked a guy out of the organization for having a black girlfriend. But if you can promise me he's racist, I'll let him back in. <laughs> and so I think all of it starts to be, and you can have an opinion one way or the other, but it, in my opinion, like if you move towards like a post-racial society where people are actually living in, in unison in a proper way. And you kind of see people, you know, you see people's identity and where they're from, but that's like one of 20 things. That's not the only thing you see. I think that they, you'd have to give up some of these things, but I don't think that's something that's happening right now anyway. Yeah, I, I think that's it. I think people are too quick to apply labels and then take the intersection. And as long as the intersection's not so small that it only includes them, then that's their group. And now that defines everything about their life, their political philosophy, what they read, what they could say, well, who they could talk to, who they could agree with. And I think that's become a problem because then they actively hate people who are not in the group and it is the problem. And I think I, I, I think then on the one hand, you can argue it, but I feel like, again, there's this almost philosophical way of approaching it comedically where you, you are able you do this very well and a lot of comedians do this, which is to find the humor in pointing out the hypocrisy of it. So where does it go from an argument to humor? If that's a real question. Yeah. It's like, I could say, don't do this. You know, it's like hypocrisy, but it's not working. That doesn't work because you know, funny as you, as you mentioned, it's a way to bring people together. Yeah. I think some of it is like, you need to find a way to like remove your anger from it. So a lot of times it's like, even with jokes, it's like, you need to, be able to find a way to like make peace with it before you can make something funny that's not filled with venom. So it's like, I try to, you know, when you look at things like right now, if you, if you looked at your thing even, and you said, you could look at it one way where you say, you know, I can't believe he said this, or you could look at it another way. It's like, you know, I took this contrarian stance. Someone else got mad of it. And you can kind of look at it like it was an experiment and you sort of look at all the pieces of puzzle. You're like, you know, the liberals want this. And that's sort of, they kind of pushed for abortion um, a later term in New York. And then they sort of got mad into this. And you can sort of like see it like the chess game that it is and remove yourself from it. I think that sort of helps. And then it becomes like, and then you also look at people like people. So it's like, I try to look at like humans as opposed to their ideologies and talk to them like, I would my friend and about them the way I would my friend. So it's like, even when I'm making fun of someone, I try to make them like the sympathetic character. So like actually understand where they're coming from. And I think that's a lot of times why comedians do it wrong right now. Cause they're so mad. It's like, they're doing a satire of someone. And it's just like, I'm a stupid orange idiot. And you're like, well, he's still a human too, that has a perspective. And it's that thing where like, you know, I was thinking about comedy the way that, you know, if you're watching, like, if you're watching a football game, right, and everyone's there for the football game, and that's, let's say, politics in this analogy, and then the dance troupe comes on, 
and everyone's like, whatever, we don't care, we're getting popcorn. And the dance team starts leaving divots in the field, right? And they're like, okay, we need to get rid of this dance team. And they're like, well, it's fine because it was in our end zone. And it's like, oh, we they start having arguments about whether the dance team should be on the other side. And but for for everyone else, the dance team's irrelevant. But for the head of the dance team, like they spent their whole life and then they got this job being the head of the cheerleaders at the, you know, and the NFL. So it's like a big deal. So it's about how everyone everyone sees uh, themselves as like the main thing. So like understanding where people come from helps. And when you think of them as your friend and then it becomes your friend that like became this like crazy, you know, um, not crazy, but like a Bernie Sanders guy and that was his whole identity or whatever, or a Trump guy and that was his whole identity. And then he comes in, you're not like, oh, can you believe he's in a Trump? You're like, oh, he, yeah, yeah, Joe's like a Trump guy now, I guess. And you kind of, you like, you can still make fun of it, but you're like brushing it off. You're like, oh, he loves Trump now. That's his whole thing. And it becomes like you're treating it like a friend as opposed to an enemy and you understand people where they're coming from. Yeah, that's a good point. That's sort of like rising above the debate. You're basically saying, it's not important how this person defines his identity because this is like my old friend or whatever. That's to me, that's his identity. I'm rising above just today's political debate. Yeah. It makes me think though, the whole not in my backyard thing, that type of hypocrisy where like I was thinking of the Seattle Capitol Hill autonomous zone, the Chaz, and the mayor yeah. kept calling it like an arts festival, even though like every day new teenagers were being killed. And then when they said, hey, Mayor Jenny or whatever, we're going to also now take over your house and she just plowed that whole thing down with tanks <laughs> within 12 hours. Right. Like, cause it's like not in my backyard and nobody, nobody pointed out that this might be a hypocritical thing. Like, I don't know. Is there like, does that trigger you or in terms of like, Oh, this might be something funny that, you know, people, I could say things that everyone's thinking or, you know, what's the, what's the sort of thing that, that comes up for you with the Chaz thing specifically. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's the same thing. It's like with, if I, when you look at like the protesters and I did a video kind of making fun of like protesters that are professional protesters. So I, you kind of try to pick the one thing that's like fun to make fun of that is the right one. Um, but there, you can look at it both of those ways, right? You can say, I understand why those people, like there's a part of it that they, I can see how you'd be like 20 and you go and people are your friends are like, yo, we're going rioting. And you're like, hell yeah, dude. And then we got this city and we're like taking it over. And you're like, yo, the police can't even come anymore. This rules. And then on top of that, everyone around you is like, well, also we're like changing the world. So I can understand why it, like all that's attractive. And I can understand why they have that, that position. But it's like, you also have to be able to understand now why, you know, some guy from the other side of the coin was like, oh, we got to go protect our city. And then he read so many of those blogs and he's like, I'm, you know, and then they end up killing each other, which isn't good. But it's like, if you were watching a movie, you could make the movie on either of those person's protagonists, right? And I think you'd, if you, it's kind of like the same people that are like, the cops are the worst. You can watch a cop movie and be empathizing for that guy and you see him go back to his wife and it's like, people find that hard to like empathize with people in real life. But if you kind of like put it in a neat little package in a story, they can. And I think you can sometimes put it in a neat little package in a joke too. Yeah. So how do you make the twist to, um, well, Hey, you said earlier, if you find the, the topic and it's the right one, how do you determine what the right one is? And by the way, you would do this a lot with dating like a year ago, like men and the relationships between men yeah. and women. Yeah. And I, I've done this forever. That's why it was one of the things with, uh, with these videos, it's like this politics stuff. I mean, I've always talked about this a lot, but it's like hard to ignore because it's the biggest thing in the world. So it's like, it's like if you're going to be a cultural commentator, you can't like graze over any of this stuff unless, it, or it just kind of seems like you're afraid to touch it. But I, I mean, I, I was doing videos about 
um, music. I had this website, thehardtimes.net, that I was like a, a small owner of and did all the videos for. And then I had a show about Toronto called Trontopia. Like, for example, we were, there was these bartenders that were kind of like the cool guys in the city. And, and everyone like kind of was like had disdain for them and they didn't know why. And I kind of did a video saying that they were... Um, that they all wanted to be celebrities. So it was celebrity bartenders being like, hey, I'm pouring here from 10 to two. And it was like, that was kind of like the right shot. Whereas, um, you know, I, I did one, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what's the funny part about conservatives right now. And with Ben Shapiro, people are all like, he's racist, he's sexist. And it's like, that's not the shot to take it. Um, so when I did a shot, it was a more like underhanded, like pull the rug out where I was just like, oh, cool guys like Ben Shapiro. He lost his virginity at 28. And I kind of just called him a nerd. So uh, I, it's like, it was, I could see if you were like a guy that liked, no one, if you, if you were like a 12, an 18 year old that liked Ben Shapiro and, and this isn't even saying anything bad about Ben Shapiro. I just wanted to take like kind of a shot at that. But if you were an 18 year old and someone and your dad essentially comes because they're essentially being like the teacher and they're like, don't listen to that guy. He's racist and sexist and off limits. It almost, it makes you want to listen to him more. But if someone's kind of like, you know, that guy's kind of a loser and you actually respect where it's coming from and it doesn't seem like it has ulterior motives. I think that kind of is a funner, it's, it's a shot to take because it works. And people are like, they'll still leave like thinking about that. Like, yeah, it was kind of, the next thing he does dorky, people will be like, yeah, that was kind of nerdy or whatever, right? So I think it depends on what you're talking about and like, what's a shot that people will kind of leave being like, <laughs> you know, it's a, a lot of times it's about nailing it like, you know, we, I've talked about this before, but if you have a friend and everyone's like, that guy's amazing. And you're like, what? He's, and he's just average, right? And you end up arguing against him. You're like, Chad, he's all right. But it, and then you're arguing against him. You're like, oh, Chad sucks. Like before you know it, it's like with your chick or something, right? But if she said, uh, yo, this guy's the worst. And he, you'd be like, he's not that bad. And she's like, I hate him. He's terrible. And you're like, I don't know. He's kind of funny. That All of a sudden you're arguing for him, right? right. So a lot of times people, it's that uh, you're, you're mad or not mad when you feel like they didn't get it right. So a lot of times if you like even the playing field with like nailing it right on the head, it kind of like removes that anger. Yeah, and, and it's like you, you, when you put it as suddenly you're in this point where you're defending this person that you didn't even care about, like suddenly you're defending this position, it's not even really that important to you, but it's important to them. And so <laughs> yeah. they're calling you out by not taking it as seriously as them. So now you have to defend it almost as seriously. That's sort of what happened to me with this New York thing. Like I was pointing out problems, <laughs> right? And I was everybody's like, about that. "This guy is the Grim Reaper of New York <laughs> City. Like he can't <laughs> wait to like dance on New York City in flames, like Nero, just like fiddling while the Empire." It was like you spit birth. on the ashes of the Twin Towers. Is how right. some people interpreted that, right? And I was like, "Okay, these are all real problems that I'm not even the first ones to report them, and I'm just <laughs> pointing it out." And somehow it became like this thing. Um, but and then and then and I've, I've mentioned this in other podcasts. So I apologize to, to the listeners, but then like people I knew, deal, would write, yeah, but, but people who I knew would write these huge articles against me only because like, I don't even know if they had an opinion on it, but this was like a chance after 25 years, they've been holding this small hatred for me for 25 years. And now they got a chance to ride on it and maybe gain some followers or whatever. And so they would write these diatribes against me that had nothing to do with my article. They would, they would start off like, you know, I think I know a thing or two about this article. Like I used to, uh, I don't know, be be engaged to the writer. I used to, oh, my God, oh I was dude. there when the writer was like <laughs> three years old. so bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it sucked. Like it was really, that was the most painful thing of the whole thing. Like I didn't even care about the Seinfeld stuff. But then I was thinking, I really wanted to respond, but I knew just from like experience, the last thing you do is give power to, you know, 
the that's negative. That's why they did it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's why, why they, they did, did it too. Yeah, right? they wanted me. To, so, so, and maybe now actually this counts as responding to them. I don't know, but but I feel like also the comedic way is just to roll with it. Like it's almost to find the humor in the fact that this person is making fun or hating. Like I, it, in the very beginning of this, yeah. I felt like I needed to respond to everybody. Like I'm not from Iowa. It's never the move. Yeah, it's never the move. And so I, and again, I feel like I've got to, I almost found myself thinking like, or I did find myself thinking, I've got to re- respond to this how a comedian would. And a comedian would just like figure out how to make light of this. And yeah. cause it was, there were funny aspects to this. Like, uh, you know. People can tell when you're mad too. Yeah. Know? Even if it's like a tweet, they can sense the venom, right? So it's like, if you were able to like actually do it the way you did it, people are we're like, oh, okay. So James isn't like mad. He's just defending his position in like a funny way. Yeah. And like, like when, when people attack you on some of the, because I've seen people uh, attack you on some of your stuff and of course you don't address it or you don't care, but what are Sometimes you- Sometimes I do on my podcast, but there is this element of, there's an ecosystem, right? And right now the, you know, as, as far as I'm concerned, this kind of like certain brand of, um, not I know Richard said we wouldn't use the word again, but like woke comedy or whatever is kind of what I would say like the mainstream for the last seven years. And that's usually how long something lasts. But this one, it's harder for them to stop it. But then there's a counterculture and then there's a counterculture responding to the counterculture, right? So a lot, and a lot of people kind of, they don't understand this ecosystem. So they'll kind of be like, their criticisms of me will be like, oh, this guy's right wing. And I'm like, I'm not though, dude. It's like, you just don't understand that this is, this criticism is something that like a lot of people feel. And it's like, I'm I'm not that. So they're wrong. And then you'll you'll see these crazy things be like, well, you have these, uh, uh, the people that follow you are bad. You know what I mean? You're like, I got a lot of that. Yeah, right. But they're not because I've been doing shows and it's just, you know, a guy and his girlfriend, like it's just the people, right? But the the funny parts about like arguments like that is like when you say that first of all it's 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 like not really true second of all so are everybody's like if you i i've if you're you know the left wing whatever comedian and or whatever like you know someone that's like an activist you have people on your thing saying we should hang landlords for example all the time i I've t- i know tons of people they post that meme like all the time it's like oh we should hang landlords like, okay. you know contrary to james's advice like i'm a landlord so I go, do you, do the, do your fans want to kill me? Like, is that a death threat? And you go, oh no, they're being a hyperbolic. I go, okay, well now extend that the other way because a lot of people on the internet are 14 year olds trying to be funny. So it's just like, every, again, everyone can kind of see it uh, one way and not the other way. Yeah. So how do you like for, for you, how do you, you know, I, I feel like if you just, if you just argue like I'm not a bad guy, that's useless. So you have to kind of like roll with it somehow and like you say, extend it to the point of absurdity, like, like, like roll with the pendulum and, and take it to a point of absurdity to kind of find the humor in it. I haven't done that because there is that, I mean, it depends on what you want to do, right? Like I'm doing a video every week and I'm podcasting and I'm doing shows. So I don't have the time to be arguing on Twitter to build, like a lot of people build their careers through controversy and I don't really want to do that. And I also don't want to be like an internet arguing about politics guy, because that's not really what I want to do. So there's not, it's like almost no point in dipping my toe into something that I'm not trying to be great at. You know, if I'd said like, yeah, I'm going to be this guy, but I don't like to just sort of argue every now and then when, you know, cause it takes up your time. It takes up your headspace. And I'm a little like you where it's like, I'm able to let it go. But when it's someone that, you know, it's annoying. But I, the one thing that I've been able to rationalize 
in the last little while is understand like why, what their point of view is and understand why they think that. And with some of the people that, you know, in the entertainment industry that you could tell they don't like what I do. One of the reasons for that is if you are part of the, you know, the mainstream corporate ideology, let's say, right. And then here's a list of things that you have to like, here's a list of things you have to like, here's the off limit topics, here's the, and then someone else kind kind of breaks the picket lines and says, yeah, I'm just not going to follow any of those rules. And then it does really well and people are liking it and it's doing really well from a comedic perspective. It's like, I'm cheating almost, right? Cause they weren't allowed to, especially famous people, like they can't go on Twitter and get in trouble or like make these like edgy videos because it would ruin their careers and it would ruin their, uh, you know, endorsement deals and all this stuff. So they want you to stop doing it because it also makes it more difficult for them just from a career point of view, right? Like you're threatening their livelihood in mm. a lot of ways, right? You're threatening their ideology, you're threatening their livelihood. And then on top of that, they like subscribe to an ideology where they like do see it as, you know, the same way that the church sees the devil. But the way that I was describing it before, it's like if you were the church and you're like, I'm, we're the church and they're the devil. And then when you, if you leave and you're like, well, we're not the devil, we're actually just a bar next door and everyone's coming over here. And everyone's like, ah, I don't care about God anymore. I just want to go have some drinks at the bar. And they have to be like, if you go to the bar, you're going to hell because it threatens their bishop position at the church. So a lot of times, like if you understand, in my opinion, where, why they think the way they do, at least you can kind of not get mad. And then it just becomes like, part of the equation, like, yeah, they're doing what you'd expect them to do. <laughs> I, I feel like Tim Dillon is like the master of staying outside the rules so masterfully, like he's so funny and clearly he doesn't, I can't tell for sure because you could never know, but he doesn't really seem to give a shit what anyone thinks in the industry. He's removed himself from it and doubled down on being who he is and using Patreon and other methods to be completely independent. So he's he's got an income no matter what, because yeah. you know, Patreon supports his podcast and, and so on. And so he's able to build his fans without caring. And I think you're in that mold or direction as, as well. I think that's the See, gift. Contextualize right as part of a culture. There it is. Cause I yeah, there I did it. I, kinda like, <laughs> I, I put you, I put, I left you in a group all of a sudden. Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> but I think it does work when you're able to set up your life so that you could say whatever you want and not care. I know. And then they can't compete with it. It's like, you can understand why if you're a TV show that was doing your monologues that were allowed to do, and you see the Andrew Schultz who you've had on here, it's like, you see him do his monologue. It's doing better. It's funnier. People like it more. It's resonating. And you can see why they're like, we need to stop this. <laughs> or, you know, I'm doing sketches that are, you know, doing bigger numbers than a lot of TV shows that are make sketch comedy. And it's like, th and they not only like aren't willing to do it, they've sort of created the atmosphere that you can't do it, right? So it's like they're, they become in their own prison too. It's like all these kind of companies like take a, I don't know, like a Comedy Central, for example, like a big thing that's happened to some of these places is they've basically said, here's the allowable, you know, thing you can do, right? And then they sell that to advertisers and then the advertise they kind of influence culture. Then the advertisers are like, got it. That's what we need to do. It's like, okay, so we'll only advertise on shows that have this opinion. And then if they want to make something else, the advertisers are like, well, we don't want to advertise on like you know, we're not going to advertise on Tucker Carlson or whatever. And you're like, why? And you're like, well, you told us not to. So it becomes this like cycle that no one can get out of, especially when it's one thing before when it's music. I have talked about this before too, but it's one thing when it's music and you're like, oh, or art. And you're like, oh, we're not into like avant-garde stuff anymore. We're into this new contemporary type of art. And they go, 
okay, we, I guess we can shift that. And you go to people and you're like, we're changing from hipster stuff to this new thing. And everyone goes, ah, and they slowly shift and whatever. Maybe people will fight it. But it's another thing when you tell people like, hey, if you do this other thing, you're like sexist, racist, and like a bigot. And then you come in the next week and you're like, hey, this thing's like kind of popping off. We want to do some shows of that, like back to what South Park was. And you're like, I mean, what? We're going to just start making racist shows. And they're like, yeah, you know what? Forget I said anything. Let's just keep doing this. Like, how would you ever change that ship when you've like put all these like labels on what just normal people, like what South Park was doing or what just normal conversations people have in their normal lives of all, you know, races and genders. I wonder though, if that is, is going to be like the, like right now during this lockdown, I fully made the switch from my casual entertainment is no longer, oh, what sitcom should we watch to, hey, let's just turn on YouTube and watch YouTube videos because the entertainment is just better. And uh, what, I, sort of, I sort of think like this media, like traditional media, and I know that this is almost like a, a cliche thing to say, but it's really more true than ever. It's just, it's going down for these reasons. And yeah. not because it's woke or whatever, but because there's a list of rules, whereas people want to say, yeah. listen to people who are authentic. That's, yeah, exactly. And the people that aren't lying, even if they're not telling the truth, you know, they're being yeah. honest. And then and, I could choose to listen to you or Joe Rogan or whatever. And other people could choose to listen to Ben Shapiro or some people listen to Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro. Like everybody could just pick and choose what to listen to. Yeah, exactly. And there's, you know, there is like, uh, it's always what happens, right? When the mainstream won't let people, I mean, you, you've been part of the comedy world for a while. If you were to say like the top 10 best comedians in your in in your opinion right now working, I bet you almost none of them are part of the industry system right now. And when yeah, you look at a that, few of them are kicked out of the industry system and the rest right. of them are not part of the industry system. So if if you looked at any other business and you said, "Hey, we're going to be a uh, you know, a venture capital film firm in Silicon Valley or what's an angel investment firm." And you're like, um, but we're not going to be able to invest in the top 10, you know, new up and coming places because we don't agree with them. You'd be like, well, this is a recipe for, you know, disaster. So if you take, if you take away the good people, then it's going to form its own ecosystem. So I think that probably what happens and you can, I don't know, you can tell me what you think, but there's these people with these huge audiences and it seems like they're all kind of creating their own networks. And I think that's what's where it's going to go more and more. Like even like the gas digitals here, or the uh, when you look at these like um, these YouTube networks that have these huge you know people on it that no one's ever heard of. But it kind of reminds me of like the DJ thing where there's these DJs filling out arenas or metal bands filling out arenas and no one's ever heard of them. And you're like, what? Who are they? And you're like, that guy just did uh, 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 like a soccer stadium. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it kind of is that. So you have these places, and I think that probably like Amazon or companies like that would have to adapt where they sort of have those start being available there where it'll be like some guy, uh, one of these places that started that had 10 properties under it kind of gets bought by those places. And then when you turn on Netflix, you see the, you know, the James Altucher network or the, this network. It's, I think that's probably a, a positive outlook for where maybe the future goes in terms of, you know, how the two collide. Yeah. And like, I've, I guess I've seen that in two directions. Like you look at Sebastian Maniscalco, he wasn't in any TV shows, wasn't in any movies, but built up through touring. So he was able to say, he had his audience, was able to say whatever he wants. And suddenly he's on the Forbes list of the richest comedians out there yeah. because he just built up without media. And then the flip side is you look at someone like, like Sinbad. All right. So this guy was like <laughs> a, the biggest comedian in the I world in the 1990s. Yeah. He was, there was nothing wrong with him. He was great. And, and he, and then you ask like, well, where did he go? Like, is he dead? Like what happened to Sinbad? And, <laughs> Magic but trick. He, 
but he's probably still making like, let's say 20,000 a night touring. Yeah. And, you know, he does do Las Vegas and he'll still sell out like huge theaters, maybe not stadiums, but huge theaters. And he could just keep doing that because he doesn't really need like There's more of a premium people. now though. I mean, that's why back in the day when comedians got, you know, big sitcom deals, they sort of stopped doing stand-up because they can't really, you know, they don't want to get caught doing, you know, the thing you're not supposed to do, right? But I think that that doesn't exist now because it's this idea that, you know, there's all these like comedians and, and that are sort of a certain way to get popular that made a lot of noise and said a lot of things to get popular. And then they kind of now, they're like, oh, but now I'm big and I understand that you're not supposed to say those things. And I look back at what I do, but it's like, we don't really allow people to sort of have like a redemption arc right now, right? So a lot of these people, there's all the, I can name like five or six people that if they got a big deal, like they tomorrow the front story would be, you know, about something they said that's bad or, and they don't have that like legacy appeal that allows them to be like, wow, that was 10 years ago because it wasn't, it was yesterday. So I don't, I don't really know how we reconcile that in this, this scenario. How, how would you reconcile Like, let's say someone came to you and like, Ryan, we need to give you like a late night show on CBS. <laughs> well, there's a pre big premium. I mean, the problem is it's like that. It's like, I have so many friends here that are making like millions of dollars and they're doing really well and they're very successful. And then you go to these networks and they're like, hey, we'll give you 400 grand a year to make a show and that'll be your whole life for the next year. And then there's a good chance you kind of get canceled and it ruins your life. And all. you go, how is this better again exactly? Like explain yeah. to me why this was better in my life. And that's why you see the same way that when you get involved in a company late as opposed to early, that's why when when Spotify got involved in podcasting, they just had to drop a huge bag of cash off at someone's house, right? Like if you get involved too late in the game, that the only way to get involved is to drop a huge pile of cash off because they don't need you anymore, right? So I think I think that's kind of the case. It's like probably they'll get involved late and just have to drop big piles of cash because the infrastructure will all be created without them, which is true. I mean, I have a system that I make a good living without anyone and I, a lot of my friends do so if, if how, like, how, are, how are you making what's your what's your sources of income right now um probably the biggest well the biggest will be touring when it comes back but in terms of uh there's like a patreon but I, like the youtube money does really well there's like big brand deals like i might make an independent movie um there's lots of like royalties for all different things like there's you know like 10 or 15 different things that all come in and it all adds up to you're doing well you know what i mean like kind of probably a lot better than i was doing working in like traditional television in canada and i like and i like it better right that's like the reason i moved here so it's not that i wouldn't do it but it's like one of the things that whenever i'm talking to networks and agents now like one of the biggest things i'm asking is like how do you deal with like controversy like what would you, you know what would happen if someone was you know had a if you went, they went through my twitters or whatever and said we don't like this thing he said he's the problem or whatever like you know what would you what would be your um response to that and i remember one of the guys made me laugh because he was like Oh, obviously we'd stand by clients. Like, I mean, if you said something super like racist or sexist, obviously not. And I was like, yeah, that, that's what I'm asking you about. Like, <laughs> that's what they're going to say. It's like, uh, if, if they say that, like, what would you say? And, and yeah, what did he say then? He, he kind of just like backed, like they don't, you just realize, it's more like that was telling enough to understand his position that I didn't have to ask anymore. Because yeah. it was more just like, okay, you don't care. Like a lot of these people, they don't care. They just know these are the rules and I'll, yeah, the answer is yes, I'll, I'll throw you under the bus because we don't care. <laughs> so so I, I, I always try to piece together the, the Ryan Long method. So it seems like <laughs> you'll, you'll take, like, whereas like, let's say, let's say take Jerry Seinfeld as an example, as a positive example. 
he'll take something really mundane like Pop-Tarts and find the unusual in it or going out for a night in the town and find the unusual in it, which is that as soon as we go out, really the only thing we're thinking of is how fast can we get back in? That's the, the, the real, the hidden truth. And yeah. he'll make a joke out of it. So you'll take like some high stakes idea. So like, okay, right now, let's say everybody's talking about, you know, the relationships between men and women and what's, what's fair in a relationship or, or everyone's talking about wokeism and, and, you know, what objective truth is in terms of, you know, what, what category you belong to. So you'll take some high stakes thing that's happening in currently in society. You'll find something that either bothers you or is unusual about it. Like where the hypocrisy might exist. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I'm going to skip a step. Then you'll, you'll basically make you'll find the twist that exposes the hypocrisy and you'll you'll make a a video or or come up with a joke about it but how do you find the twist that exposes the hypocrisy i think that there's like those are the strokes of genius where you have that not genius but like when you have like all the connections kind of come together and you're like ah you know something just happened so those are like kind of rare um but yeah, you it's almost a lot of times to add to that equation is a lot of times I like to take satirically take stance other people's stances to like ridiculous ends without having logic flaws. You know what I mean? So you right. kind of you're like I'm taking your logic to a terrible place and I there wasn't really like a flaw anywhere there. You know, that, like a simple example, very simple example would be like no, I agree with feminism because I do think women should be paying for things more. You know what I mean? You kind of, you you just find those little things where you're like, no, I support what you're saying. There's these like little, you can think of a million of them, but it's like the other day that was making me laugh. The idea of like, you know, a, 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 a white, like a, a black dude I know was kind of posting. He was like, you know, what we need to do is um, us black people, like we kind of need to stop killing each other or whatever, something like that. And then I saw, I thought just the idea of a white guy being like, dude, my dad was just saying this. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> like, it's like, obviously that wasn't for you. <laughs> but just like ignorantly sort of like being part of their thing and like right. thinking it's for you. Like, I agree. Yeah. I, women should pay more. And they're kind of like, that's not what I'm saying. And I'm like, I don't know. What are you saying? I'm trying to listen. You're sort of pretending to be an idiot to, that doesn't kind of understand their logic and taking it to the wrong conclusion. Yeah. Like, like the, the, the almost, um, a uh, clueless narrator is like yeah. a, a, a good theme, I think, in comedy. Like, I'm just, I'm just clueless. Isn't this what you were saying? Like, you know, kind of like having that approach works really well. Like, it reminds me of some things, like you know, Jim Gaffigan sometimes, like uh, just being clueless about, you know, of course I'm a good father. I, you know, whatever, and he'll say something horrible about being a father, and and, and yeah, exactly. So I was trying. Uh, Here's like one that I was doing a lot. Like I was saying that um, it was a joke that like. The the first part of it was that um, me and my uh, that uh, I have a friend who's in a progressive relationship. Him and he's taking his wife's last name, but he wants her to take his first name. Like they're both going to be Doug Smith. Like this idea of like super father. And I was like, he will be breastfeeding that child. And I kind of I did this whole thing about how the dad was breastfeeding, and you guys are you know you guys just don't get the future kind of thing. But which was nothing. But then the kind of big thing at the end, which is is your classic, just like uh, going against the grain thing. But I said that. Um, I know what you're thinking. There's no point of a man breastfeeding. Yeah, well, there's no point of female firefighters, but sometimes as a society, <laughs> we need to jam a square peg in a round hole in the name of progress. And I kind of- Right, so that's so that's great. So, so basically what you did was 
you, you, it's like, it's like the magic trick where there's another magic trick afterwards that nobody expected. Yeah. So like you bring up this ludicrous thing that everyone's already probably still laughing and they probably think that's the joke. And then you, you take it one step further into absurdity. One, and, yeah, exactly. But that's the real point is that absurd That's the point. real point. Well, the one that I thought of like before I moved here that, that I thought was like right before I moved here, it's like sometimes you have those jokes or whatever in any part of life that you think of something, you go, oh, this is the kind of stuff I'm gonna, I'm gonna do more of this. But I was saying, it starts out like almost like it feels like it's gonna be hacky. I was like, uh, you know, I know you're not supposed to say um, uh, things like Chinaman anymore. It's China person, I get it. Like, it, you know, it's something I'm not understanding. It. And I was like, I know it's not woman, it's little man. And then- uh, I've, I've seen this one on TikTok. Yeah, I saw it. I was like, yeah. yeah, I was like, it's not supposed to be a woman, it's little man. And, and I said, I know that, uh, and it's like, and you're not supposed to call them retards anymore. You're just supposed to call them women or little men, little men, little men. <laughs> so it's like, I kind of say that, I say that uh, you're not supposed to call them retards. You're supposed to call them women, which is mad. But then I was like, right, right, little men. So it's like, I'm, people get mad. And I was like, oh, sorry. Like I'm acting like they got mad because I said woman instead of little man. Not right. that I said that. The, you, so you, you kind of actually get, you pretend that you like under misinterpret where they're mad too. So right. these ideas. That's of brilliant. Like, yeah, you, you're like, the idea of, uh, you're sort of like clunkily like anal analyzing this thing, they're getting mad and you're misinterpreting where they're mad and accidentally doubling down. And it's just kind of so, those things. So overall, you're saying, you're able to say something that is completely repulsive, let's say to half the audience, <laughs> but they're laughing actually at st structurally, like the, the, the <laughs> yeah, you're just bullying the fake them. cluelessness <laughs> of it. So uh, that's brilliant. So, so that's a kind of a good way to, to temper the hate as opposed to just pointing out some hypocrisy, which half might agree with, half might not, and then making it, but but it's the ludicrousness that you add to it that will make it funny. So like, yeah. instead of just pointing out, let's say the mayor of Seattle was uh, hypocritical, you know, when it came to her home is when she finally said it's not an arts festival anymore. How, what would you, I, and I know I'm you asking- know how you, I would do that? It's like, it, th so this is one that like, this is what separates is the difference between like guys like me that are like satirical more so than someone like Bill Burr. So Bill Burr would say, he's a hypocrite. Like he's a, he started thinking yeah, like, right. he's a hypocrite or He'd whatever. He'd point out stuff that kinda, was funny as opposed would, to, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He would, he would start with like the stance and then kind of like, you know, he would start with a contrarian stance, kind of like a little bit what you've probably done and then worked backwards. Whereas I would make that point like, okay, yeah, you know, like the mayor's like a hypocrite or whatever. Anyways, like, that's it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do a joke about that. What I would do was introduce that as a premise like you already agree with it. <laughs> yeah, so like, so like what? So like you'd introduce it as obviously hypocritical uh, and then we're all nodding our heads. And no, then, but once you hypnotize them, yeah, once you hypnotize them, it's like, it's that thing, right? It's once they're on board with what you're saying, it's almost like more the energy than what you're saying. And you're kind of saying one thing with your body and one thing with your words. But if I was going to say that, uh, you know, uh, you know how girlfriends are annoying, like instead of making that point, I'd be like, you know how girlfriends are kind of annoying or whatever. And it's like, okay, fine, whatever. They're not, they're not annoying. And then I'd kind of move on. And everyone, you know, it's like, whether you like it or not, I've like inserted the seed that like girls are annoying. So you kind of like <laughs> insert these seeds and if they don't agree, you're like, okay, whatever, they're not, you win. And you kind of just move on on that. So it's like, I, I, it's almost like my points I make like in separation of my jokes a little bit sometimes. Yeah, and th but then also it seems like you, sometimes you double down on it in like, um, you know, she's not a hypocrite because X and then you'll say something that's like totally hypocritical or... Uh, You'll, you'll figure out a way to double down on the hypocrisy or double down on yeah. just the, the BSness of it all.
Yeah, like I like kind of doing that. And I also like the idea of when you think people think you're going to say something bad and you say something worse and then you kind of like get mad at their um, value structures. Like you kind of say, you know, I, I, I'll do, I was doing this joke that was saying that uh, I have a friend of mine, his girlfriend's transitioning from a girl to a fatter girl. And <laughs> it's kind of like, it feels like, you're going to say something about trans people and then you say something about fat people and they're like not sure whether they're like happy that you didn't make a trans joke or mad that you didn't. And then when everyone goes kind of, oh, and it's like just natural. And I always, you'll do that after something that was like really bad right before that they, but something, because there's levels, right? Like you could do a joke about like a priest having sex with a kid and no one would have a problem with that right now. That's just the value structures of in any liberal metropolitan, right? And if you kind of said this woman was overweight, everyone would be like, whoa, and I understand why those things are like that, but it's like, there's no logical reason for that other than those are our cultural values at this moment, right? So you can kind of then say like, I, like I said, a girl's overweight, my friend's girlfriend's overweight and you ooed me. I was talking about having sex with a kid 30 seconds ago and you guys were like on board laughing, like, yeah, I have sex with that kid. And so you kind of, you can kind of like bully them around and uh, no, yeah, some degree bullying, but some degree you kind of use these games till eventually they just go, all right, you know what? I'm going to let what I'm, I, all these stupid things in my head, I'm just going to let them go because he's going to keep using them against me and I'm just going to watch the show. So you can yeah. kind of like, you can iron out people's um, apprehensions with watching you. And then they just by like 10 minutes in, they're just like, yeah, I'm going to stop like thinking and just start laughing because otherwise I'm just going to, he's going to keep making fun of me. <laughs> I, I, I always wonder where is sometimes if the limit, like I talk a lot about my kids and I always wonder where the limit could be too much. So like, I'm really, you know, I'm really against kids going to college, for instance. Yeah, that's too like, much. Yeah, that's the line. <laughs> that is the line. For many of you, that is the line. But, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll point out, like I'm arguing with my daughter, like you don't need to spend, we all know what we do in college. You don't need to spend $250,000 just to have uh, sex with a lot of people. You're, you know, I'm talking to my daughters, you're a woman, people should be paying you $250,000 to have sex <laughs> yeah. with you. Like, and then everybody be like, oh, look, I'm just being a good dad. Yeah. I'm trying to set a good dad example. So that's that's like my way of doubling down. How do down. you feel but, about it? Do you feel, do you feel like it feels weird to say, like over the line? Uh, no, but I feel like I'm pushing at the exact line. Yeah. Yeah, because so, it's like a contract, right? It's because like, if you call your daughter a whore, that's usually over the line. <laughs> it might be over the line, yeah. But, but if you're and it's like obviously putting, like obviously implied satirical as well. Yeah, like, but if you kind of like put it in the context of like trying to explain college, then people, then it's like somehow ludicrous, but it's still like really up against the line because you're also calling your daughter <laughs> yeah. a whore. So, course, uh, yeah. I mean, or, for me, that's a, that can be a feeling thing, right? It's like, there's this, you know, it should be a, like contrary to what people say where they go, they, you, you do a joke and the audience laughs and they want to come in as a third party to decide whether it was good or not. The truth is like, it's a contract between like you and your jokes, your conscience, and then the audience, right? So if the audience laughs and you could be, if you felt good about it, then that's the case. So people always say like, is there a line for you? And it's like, well, the same way that it would be for you in your normal life. Like if you're joking around with your friends and you kind of like some chick and you kind of was like, oh, look at this, like put on some weight, huh? And you like thought it would be, and then she, even if everyone laughed and you felt to yourself like, you know, I didn't feel good about that. That was rude. I shouldn't have said that. Like I felt weird about it. Like my conscience didn't like that one. Or if you said some version of that on stage where you're like, yeah, I didn't like the way that felt. So yeah. I kind of, yeah. I, 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 think, I think that's right. Like I think if I felt, if I come out of that feeling like, oh man, I really was mean to my daughter, uh, 
that wouldn't feel good. If no. it comes across that I love her and this is just a joke about college and there's sort of this obvious point that everyone values the sex they have in college more than they value their education, then I think if I, if I did that correctly, then it should work. You, and you can always try different versions to remove yourself from that. Like that doesn't have to be your daughter. It could be your friend's daughter, right? Like that's yeah. having another scenario. I'm having a conversation with my friend because his daughter and I'm like, you know, I'm just trying to offer solutions here to your problem. Cause it, so, um, you can remove if, if sometimes if it feels a little hot for you, like, you know, like you making a cancer joke and your mom has cancer, like that might be just something you're like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to do. And yeah. everyone has their own like consciences. Right. And then you could move it. Maybe it's not cancer as a different, you change the disease or maybe it's not your daughter. It's someone else's daughter. There's always like little ways to, if, if you really like the joke, there's always little ways to tweak it. So you, maybe your conscience can like, you can live with that. What you've said. Yeah, like uh, removing yourself one degree is a, a very useful technique. I've recently done that with one of my bits and it works much better. So it used to be me that had this one issue that I won't get into. And then now I have it as a friend of mine has this one issue. So I'm able to like have him express the issue in a funny way, but then I can right. make fun of him for expressing the issue. And then so, you're removed from it too. So you're able to offer like an, an uh, unbiased synopsis, right? So sometimes, right. yeah, yeah, there's, there's definitely no right way to skin a cat, but I always, I do. And I think, uh, as someone that, you know, who I've been talking about a bit is the Scott Adams, he was the one who said this and I really liked it, but he said, when you're writing, listen to your body more than your mind for what you think's funny. Absolutely. Yeah. And I really yeah. did like that. And on stage, I do the same thing. It's like, you can be killing, but it's like, listen to your body of like, do you think this is good? Like, do you get excited when you, when you're saying this joke and it's killing, do you get excited or do you kind of like graze past it when you're writing? And I do that with sketches. Like so many times I start writing a sketch and I'm like, this is really good. And then I'm like, then why am I not excited about it? And it's like, there's something you are just missing something, you know? And I usually, that's a good sign that it's not on a pulse. And then also when you're excited about it, I've noticed this in writing, the really great thing is you stop caring if it works or not. <laughs> like if you're excited about it, like when I'm excited about a piece of writing yeah. and I know I hit the sweet spot, like this is good writing, I really don't care if it gets lots of likes or, or engagement or whatever. I know I hit a sweet spot for me and yeah. then I don't care, which is in the long run, much a much better technique for growing your art and so on. Like. And again, the, the, the only rule I really have is like, I have to be a little bit afraid of what people will think of me. And my, I think my problem was when I first started doing comedy is I was a little too eager to have people laugh instead of applying the same principle. People have to be a little bit of, I, I have to be a little afraid of what people are going to say to this joke. Like I have to like it, but then I still have to say something new and I know I can judge new. Am I nervous about this? Yeah, for sure. That's why comedy sucks is because like, you know, it sucks so bad when you're bombing at first. So then you take shortcuts and that was what makes you crappy. <laughs> yeah. No, like when you start telling, like, I think the, the death of me in my first year was I started telling jokes. <laughs> like, yeah. cause then I'm just saying like, oh, you know, some, some lady outside called me ugly. And I'm like, mom, just get in the club. Like, that's just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's just like a dumb joke. Like it, yeah. it, it, it makes people laugh as a reflex. And it's not the worst thing to, for someone that's starting to, because, you know, sometimes people do it the other way where they're like, you know, it's almost not the worst idea to say, like, do that first. You know, sometimes I look at myself and I'm like, I kind of did it the other way too. I was like, I tried to dive into like harder stuff, you know, too easy. And it's like, I, I, I'm trying to skip steps when I maybe should have just kind of learned those fundamentals first. <laughs> 
Well, like what's too, what's too much for you right now? Like where, where do you feel like you're in the right direction, but it might be too much for the audience or trying to be too hard? Well, it depends on the audience too, right? Like that's, you know, in liberal metropolitans, it's one thing. Again, you know, people like to talk about this idea of like punching down and punching up and what you should do, but they, I feel like people kind of don't understand that concept, like the proper way. And they don't understand that it changes in any scenario. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like if, if you might think that there's like a dynamic of what you should say about uh, gay people or whatever, right? But if you're at like the gay bride parade or in a room full of like eight in full of 80 gay people and a bunch of liberal metropolitan people, for one, a lot of times you're making fun of the liberal metropolitan people who think you shouldn't say it more than you're making fun of the actual thing. And for two, it's like if they're the power structure, it's like, you know, then you're and you get them on board with it, they're going to think differently. But when I have a joke that if I let's say in a classic scenario, I was making fun of like uh, Jewish people or whatever. Right. And then I went to My somewhere. Topic. Yeah, you know, and I, I have like jokes that I like, uh, and I'll tell you, there, this was a change for me a little bit in America because I used to be really like do a lot of Jewish stuff and I kind of had these little jokes like I was talking about the Orthodox Jewish people and I was like, I, I know I kind of said it wrong because they don't have a, uh, a heaven and hell in the traditional way, but they do have a God, the chairman of the Federal Reserve. And I kind of was <laughs> talking about stuff like that. And I have a lot of kind of things like that. And then when I came to America, I would, you do it. I've done a, a show or two here and there where you kind of say that and people are like, yeah. And I was like, oh, like this is, oh, there is some people that are like kind of anti-Semitic, which I obviously I guess, but I never really experienced that because it's just, I don't know. It just isn't a thing like that in Toronto the way it is here. And there isn't the same history or whatever. And I, even online, you kind of see it differently. So if I was to, for example, be doing race jokes, like I do, I like do tons of black rooms and I, a lot of my stuff is kind of built there in a lot of ways in Toronto. I used to be big into doing that. And you, if I was doing a certain joke about, you know, black people, like if I was doing like a, you know, to say that, hey, I was uh, um, late because I just was protesting for the cops all day, and, you know, something like that to a gr black people. And they laughed at it. I would feel good about that. But if I went in some place where it was like, I felt that everyone was legitimately racist, then, it, and I said that and everyone was laughing and you, it, you felt like they were actually racist, then I wouldn't like that saying that. And yeah, that's where you have to like use your judgment and instincts, I think. Well, what was the challenge? So people like, I haven't performed in front of like an all black room or, and there are specifically black rooms, like black comedy rooms, like in Harlem or whatever. Like, and there is a difference. Like they'll tell you, if you're even one ounce of bullshit, they'll tear you apart completely. Right. So, so like, what's the strategy of dealing with that? Yeah, it's like, I think the biggest strategy is don't try to change it. A lot of people try to go do what they think they would like and they hate that because it's what you said, the phoniness, you know? Yeah. I think that works for relationships for anything, right? It's like someone goes and, and tries to do something different. Like most people are fine with what you are if it's good or, it, you know, you might not kill if it doesn't suit them, but you'll still be better off with if you try to change and be something else that you think they'll like. Right. So I kind of do an aggressive version of what they like. The, I, I'll just tune the topic. So I won't change anything I do. I just might... If I was doing like an all, you know, Hispanic room or all black room, I think I'll focus on race more because like, you know, those are topics that we can kind of like relate to. Whereas if I was talking about, let's say, you know, my like progressive friends from Toronto, they're kind of like, what are you talking about? And I, I, I see that a lot with, you'll see that some people, you know, go into some of these rooms or, you know, go on the road and talk about stuff that works in New York, talking about like, you know, I'm in like a sub dom relationship or talking about these weird things. And people are like, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> like, 
you know, they, they don't, if, or, or making fun of it. Like my friends into like sub, you know, whatever it is that people are like, we don't even know this war that you're fighting. So whatever you're talking about. And there's a lot of people that are just like, what the hell are you talking about? So I think I would stick to probably topics like that, maybe where we can relate. Like same reason, like, you know, you might have some cab driver from Lebanon and it's like here for a month, but you might be able to relate to him on the fact that like your girlfriends like or want you home tonight like at a reasonable hour. You know what I mean? The fact that oh kids are annoying. So there's always ways to relate to different people, and it's like but a lot I of feel these like, things are I, universal. I feel like though with your kind of um, kind of the clueless narr- uh, narrator character, you could basically uh, in an in an all black room, you could probably have a lot of fun, and they would probably have a lot of fun you basically talking about the benefits of, you know, so-called white privilege. Like you yeah. basically go- But I don't do that, yeah. That's like, that is not how I do it. But I, I that is one thing that people would do, but I would take it the opposite way, where I would, I would like say being white's better. <laughs> like it sounds crazy, but it's like, it took me a while to kind of figure that out. And it took me a while- well, Right, to, that's like, what I mean though. You would say it. being white's better, right? No, but I wouldn't be apologizing. Like- I found that right, right, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying not apologizing. apologizing. I'm saying being totally clueless and actually saying it's great being me. <laughs> for the for sure, there. Like I know what you're saying, and that is like one technique. It's just not how I would do it because it's like I would be accepting like a certain cultural narrative that I mm. that I'm not usually selling. Right, so that would be me pandering if I said that. I feel like. And I, I feel like if I went to a bunch of black people and I was like, yeah, I know I have white privilege and it's awesome. It's like, I'm still like giving them the idea that I know you guys have it rough. And whether yeah. it's true or not, it feels like I'm I'm pandering to them. And it's like, I just wouldn't take it that way. If anything, I would kind of make fun of their culture in a way that like lets them know I understand it, where they'd be like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. Like make fun of, you know, I was like doing sex jokes where I'd be like, you know, I'm just black people, you know, grown man with a shoe collection, gets four haircuts a week. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like I would kind of say a thing where they'd be like, ah, that is us. So it kind of gives me credit where I like actually am making accurate criticism to the thing without like apologizing. I found that's how I connect with those people because that's how I am with my normal friends. Like I just wouldn't, you know, my friends that I grew up with, I would never say to them like, oh yeah, like obviously I have white privilege. It would just feel gross to me. Like, so I just right. wouldn't say that. So I wouldn't also do it in comedy even though I know a lot of people like that's the technique that they would use. It just doesn't work for me, especially because I look, even the way I look and sound like it's, I have like a cocky vibe and it just, whenever I kind of like put myself below them in a different way, even when you're saying white privilege, if you're really doing is putting yourself below them by like admitting that like they have a harder time than you. Right, even if you do it in a clueless way where you're not like apologizing for it, but you're acting clueless about it, it's almost the same effect you're like still they're addressing still- it yeah and it's not right or wrong or anything it's just that 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 method doesn't work as good for me as as just like being confident and treating them like the same way that i would treat my normal friends and not addressing the fact that like we're different yeah so well look ryan this is this is i'm so glad you could come on the podcast uh, yeah dude thanks for having me man i'm telling you uh, i've told you this already but for your listeners like I, I like red shoes yourself. I was into like, I've, I've listened to like tons of your stuff before I ever moved to New York. So when I, when I moved here and met you, like I already kind of knew your stuff and I was like a fan. So it was uh, interesting to kind of know you now when all this stuff was happening on the, on the web and we were talking on Twitter, but it was like, this is just like wild on so many fronts. This, that article, one, that an article could go so viral, two, that people could get so angry over like a stance like that. <laughs> just knowing you and you're such like a reasonable guy and it was an interesting thing to watch, like especially now having known you. Yeah, believe me, it like blew my mind. And it was like one of those things too where 
like some people were too gleeful about the article in the other direction. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, no, saying. I don't quite mean let's all celebrate New York City's demise. <laughs> like, like, so yeah. it's just- it's, Take that, libs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and then, and then everybody's saying, oh, like clearly, you know, he's a, a Republican, you know, talking point. And I'm like, I'm not any weaponized. of that stuff. Right, yeah. John so, Stewart said that, though. I thought he said that uh, very, it was a good way to describe it. It's like, you, unfortunately, you can't help people from weaponizing you. Yeah. And, and yeah, you can't, you can't, what, what I've learned is you can't ask why. So for instance, if someone says something that's completely irrational and has nothing to do with my article, but uses it to express some point of hate to me, I can't say, why did you do that? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. There's no answer to why. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They'll, they'll never <laughs> tell you, well, I did it because of this. And if you say, well, that's wrong. They'll never say, oh, okay, thanks. They, they're no never going to thank you. You for, can't well, never. <laughs> and right. they share it with the all caps locks. Ha, 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 ha. Like, right. New York sucks. The, yeah, the, I've, I've had best that with thing, people that, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say that sort of same thing happened with the, the Ben Shapiro thing, where it's like he reposted some other thing where, I can't remember which one it was. Maybe it was the woke racist or something. Because that one went just like everyone reposted it. But he reposted it. And then he was like, this guy's so, super funny or whatever. And I was like, don't look at my last video. <laughs> it was making fun of you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the yeah. last video is going to make fun of him. Yeah, no, I've had that as well. Uh, and then, I don't know, just also everybody, you realize pretty quickly, everyone's just projecting their own anxiety. Like you say, their own issues. And And to some extent, I think I could have been a little bit more sympathetic to that. Like, the thing that I was most scared of when I hit publish on this article was the fact that this is one of the few articles I've ever written that isn't really optimistic at the end. Oh. Usually I have solutions. You're, you're so right that it, that it was kind of like off-brand for you in that way. Yeah, and so I was afraid of that, and that turned out to be the thing that probably blew this up. So and because people, well, hey. because even my friends were shocked, and then they shared it. Like he's usually optimistic, so Doomsday I don't. Um, yeah, like I don't know what to think now because he usually has a ray of hope at the end. Right, so that's like, oh, really the and first. This is why we can buy property, and uh, that's why there's yeah. Or here's like it all. You know, everybody's thinking this, but the reality is, here's what will happen in six months, twelve months, eighteen months, and then the sun will be shining again. And I didn't do that because I didn't really know the answer. So oh, that, but that was the reason why I was able to hit bubbles because that's what I was afraid of. And you've so, written optimistic articles about the pandemic. Yeah, no, I was very optimistic in March, April, but part of it was saying the one caveat is we need to end medically or not. I didn't address that, but for the economy, just thinking purely about the economy, you need to end it by the middle of April or else there's probably going to be unrest and then economic chaos. And so I was just sticking, and, and I also even said then, I, then I'm not going to know the answers. And that is what happened, is that I don't right. really know the answers here. Whereas back in March, I was saying, okay, you're going to see a peak around April. It's not, there's not going to be 140 million deaths like everyone thought and blah, blah, blah. And all that played out. And then the only thing that didn't play out, and I even said stock market will go up around the end of March. Yeah, I remember. And, uh, but then this one issue, I didn't, uh, I, I said, it's, I'm not going to have answers. And so that's what I was really addressing, but I knew I was going to disappoint some people because I'm not going to have a solution at the end of this. And I think afterwards I had to be a little bit sympathetic. Like you said, put, I had to put myself a little bit in the position of the people who hated me and be a little bit more sympathetic to why, even friends of mine who were yeah. upset. So, Well, that's I, what I, makes the people that are good and not good. It's like that you do 
you know, think about it. Like you probably go to sleep being like, was I wrong? This wrong? It's like, there's a lot of people that aren't doing that. They already know the answer. They're like, no, I already know it's they're wrong. I'm right. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I double check, triple check. Like when I publish something, am I saying something that's meaningful? Am I saying something that's correct? And am I afraid to say this? And, you know, just the one issue I had here was I didn't have a, a solution and I probably mm -hmm. wasn't sympathetic to the people who own property, say, or, you know, okay, other people. Yeah. And, um, uh, and then also I just can't uh, interpret how, like you were saying, I can't interpret how other people are going to interpret this. Like a, a big audience was saying, I don't want someone from Iowa telling me what to think. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm born in New York. I said that in the article, I've never even been to Iowa. So, but I, but I found myself responding to these people and there's just no response. Like you're not, you can't move the needle responding at all. You know, that was the biggest case ever of they never get you on what you think they're getting you on, eh? <laughs> yeah. No, and and then I also just don't have. I, I mean, I I guess I have ideas why why it went viral for a bunch of reasons, but I've never seen. I've had stuff go viral many times, but never. This was like sort of unbelievable. Like I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen, and and also for a five thousand word article as opposed to like a fifteen second TikTok like video, like you know, like the way people were talking about like white fragility last month, like it was that's you know a hot topic. It was kind of like that where it was like the topic. <laughs> yeah, and people like really wanted to kill me, <laughs> like <laughs> le like to the point that where sucks. like a CIA friend of mine said, "You need bodyguards right now," and I'm like, oh "That's just God. ridiculous." You need to get Aaron Berg, hire him as a bodyguard. Oh, that'd be great, Aaron Berg and Godfrey. Yeah. I sh yeah, exactly. I should ask you this one thing because I mean, you heard me talk about it on Tim Pool, and I've had this conversation. Me and Danny, like, he like he likes you too, and likes your stuff, and we were kind of like uh, talking about this a bit. And he, there's a part of me that felt like, in your mind, it was the way that, and I said this, but you know, like Joe Rogan was kind of like, you know, um, California has been pushing and pushing it, and now it's thing, and I'm leaving. And, and there was a there was almost a part of it that was that it was almost. I don't know about a warning, but to say that like, hey, more of this is going to happen if you don't get your act together. Like, was there a part of it in that or was that not, or was that and me completely reading into it that you were sort of saying, I'm leaving, this stuff's happening and hey, you guys better get your act together. Or you're going to see more of this. I mean, not, not directly because I also say I'm coming back. Because I've been telling later. everyone that's what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I do have an apartment in New York and my kids go to school in New York. Like, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, right. I live in New York. I own a comedy club in New York. So that's, <laughs> so that's the part I didn't right? get. Like this ex-New Yorker <laughs> loves Florida. Like I had some guy say- you're, you're like, I'm on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Like someone was saying to me on TV last night, someone was saying to me like, you know, climate change is going to happen and Florida is going to disappear. So <laughs> why are you defending my Florida instead of New York? And I'm like, let's just focus on New York because I have nothing to say about Florida. Like, I'm I in honestly Airbnb. <laughs> right. Like I'm not, I don't even know about climate change in Florida. Like that was new to me, but uh, just everybody's going to project their own thing and there's nothing I could do about it. So Dude, I'm glad it's over. When I talked to you, you said it's been two weeks. And then that was the first day where it's kind of like, you know, waking up with an article being like, screw this guy. Yeah, no, I mean, I saw or a one positive thing, or whatever. I, I saw one thing on BuzzFeed today where uh, <laughs> we're still mad. That's the title. <laughs> we're still mad. Right. No, it was like so, somebody was say doing a video like oh, New York's. I love it. It's like everybody's out on a picnic right now. And I'm like, that's I agree with you. It's not what my art, but I, I just don't respond and I don't even think about it now uh, or yeah. I don't think about it as much. So, <laughs> you know, and then I always wonder like, why are these friends sending me these uh, videos 
that just yeah. trashed me all the time. I find but, that weird too. It is a weird thing that people do. They go, "Hey, just so you know, you should see this." It's like, no, I, I, I don't have to see this, dude. Yeah, yeah I really didn't need it. It's the equivalent <laughs> of the guy that's being like, "Just so you know, like Dave, I was talking to him last night, and he said he doesn't like you." It's like, <laughs> I don't know if like for sure you need to tell me that. Some right. chick that told me I'm ugly. Or, or, or like, or like that morning, my last Monday morning, a week ago, everybody, I wake up and I see just like this stream of texts, like everyone's calling me a putz. And I'm like, why <laughs> is putz. everyone calling? Like, what is a putz even? Like, I've never, I've oh, never heard on. anyone scream. New like, York you, you don't know what a yeah. putz is. <laughs> well, like I know, but like, I've never actually heard anyone call anyone that. And then it turned out this whole Seinfeld thing. And uh, <laughs> it was that, that I, okay, I get it. Like people, hey, Seinfeld just wrote about you. But, like everything Rave else was just sort of- for Jerry Seinfeld though. <laughs> yeah, like I, and- <laughs> New York I, rules. If I were Seinfeld, if I were Seinfeld, I would have not even like addressed me at all. Like he gave, it was like unfortunate for him that he addressed me because then everyone read my article. And yeah. so a lot of the response was, hey, this guy's making points and Seinfeld's just like insulting him. So there was a tiny backlash against him also. There's so much funny too. There's just this idea of like this, there's this crazy amount of people that would, not crazy amount, but there, there's a lot of people that would openly be against like nationalism and be like, look at these guys with their stupid American flags. And then you're like, New York sucks. They're like, I'll tell you it sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. You're the same person that if a guy held his flag and was like, they should stand for the anthem, you'd be like, this guy's an idiot. And you said like, New York's got some economic issues and he's like, get him. Yeah. No, it was crazy because I looked at some people, their Facebook pages who I didn't know, and they were like, oh, you know, for months they've been saying, I'm, it's about time I leave New York or this is horrible what's happening. <laughs> and then and then they were saying someone should lynch this guy, James Altucher. <laughs> like, and it's it was almost too ludicrous to like point out. And so I just kind of fortunately gave up on Yeah, they were and, like pumped when people were like, like the, the a month ago, people like the protesters were, you know, smashing windows, tearing it down. And they're like, hell yeah, dude. And then you're like, also there's like some problems with some other stuff. And they're like, this city's the best. Yeah. The best city in the world. Yeah, so. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm glad it's over too. Like everyone was saying to me, no, no, you should like, this is great. You should double down on this. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm retired from this article. Like that's, <laughs> this article is no longer yeah, my you career. Don't be the New York, you, you start walking around with like a New York, like in flames shirt. Yeah. <laughs> just a picture of the Twin Towers ashes. <laughs> yeah. And just like no mask and just like walking through <laughs> Union Square or like through a protest. Like, hey, everybody, I'm sane. Like, <laughs> I'm the, yeah. And then middle fingers people, up. <laughs> and people weren't mentioning that, like in general, I'm not really like an economic pundit. Like I, I'm a <laughs> self help writer and do all this podcast is more about self help. And like people were forgetting that part too. But that's okay. That's okay. It probably oh, was man. net net. The effect was probably good for me. It just didn't quite feel like that, you know, for for until today. So, so we'll see. Oh, but, dude, whatever. Like, you got a lot of new followers, I guess now, right? Yeah, yeah, so, some actually not as much, much. I mean, yes, I got a lot new, not as many new as I thought. It wasn't like well, maybe, 100,000 new. Is that because you lost some too? Is it maybe that you did get a lot of new, but you, it cleaned out some of the old? Yeah, maybe that's true. Like once right? Rush Limbaugh reads your article like word for word on the radio, you're going to lose <laughs> some and you're going to gain some. Like there's not, nothing you could do about it. And so, which was not my intent. Like I don't know the guy at all no. or anything. But, um, but again, I've been super impressed you've just like blown up with everything you've been doing, like TikTok, YouTube. I got to check out 
Twitter. I haven't seen you on Twitter, no, so no, I gotta no. check the that. Twitter is just the videos. I just post them the same video everywhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, if, yeah. If you've, yeah. I think we are. I think if you have any, if you've seen any of them anywhere else, like Instagram, YouTube, or whatever, it's all the same video. I just do. So I do. I should say that though. I do a video every Monday on my YouTube channel, uh, YouTube uh, slash Ryan Long Comedy, and then my podcast, The Boys Cast with Ryan Long. The Boys Cast with Ryan Long comes out every Friday, and your podcast has been blowing up too. The yeah, boys cast. right now the no numbers are really good. Yeah, it's it's cool because I kind of had a plan. I saw I came to New York and I was like, you know, what are the guys that that I could uh, that were do? You know, when I was in Canada, I was kind of like, who are the top guys? What are they doing? And I kind of looked at how I want to do it, and I kind of looked at what was happening on the YouTube landscapes, and stopped taking TV jobs, and I was like, I was going to do my own thing, and this is how I'm going to do it. And then within a year, it all kind of like came together. So I'm like, you know, happy about. Um, the way I shook down because there is all that thing of people being like, oh, you're just going to move to another country in 35 and like leave all this stuff. And then kind of like a year later now, it's like my, it, everything's kind of where I want it. So I'm happy. Yeah. So you, you had a plan, you studied the people who were like making it big and kind of like broke it down and you had an approach that you knew worked, but Toronto wasn't the place to do it. And you stuck to your plan, did it, it worked. You knew you were funny. Like you were, I, I think sometimes it's hard to know that because a lot of people smoke crack about whether they're funny or not. Yeah. And, but you had a good insight into what worked and what didn't. Like you say, you felt like what your, your stomach was saying. It's, it's the same hustle to get popular in Canada as US, but the payoff is just way, way smaller. So it's like yeah. the exact same hustle. Like the comics are the same. The things are the same. It's just they don't matter there. So I just did the exact same thing here that I did there. And then now it's bigger because it's America and not Toronto. Yeah, and unfortunately now New York City's dead forever, so <laughs> that's that's over for you. Yeah, I just but, got uh, here. <laughs> but fortunately, you 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 jumped into the social media universe and 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 struck it big there as well. So that that worked. <laughs> and um, thanks for come on again. Like you can come on anytime. You're part of the you're part of the crew. So thanks, man. Uh, yeah, let's do it again. You should uh, write um, a book, by the way, with some of your bits. Like you know how like. Uh, again, really? I, I admire Jerry. I might Seinfeld. make a movie. Some tech guys want to make a movie with me. I think, I think, I think a movie would be great. I think a book of some of your bits would be great, like a, in a sign language sort of way, you know, or yeah, like Corinne Jim and Christina, uh, the just you know, Corinne Fisher and Christina Hutchinson. They uh, just made, made a book, and it's like did really well. Yeah, I think I think that's a good direction to go. A lot of, that's like a route a lot of comedians take, and your stuff is so concise. Like you that's why your TikToks are like really good because you'll take you'll you'll get a whole serious point across in the length of a TikTok video which is good like it reminds me of like a sign language specifically where each page was like one entire joke from his set and it worked as a book i mean that was a bestseller forever oh, okay so you got to stop promoting this guy he's your enemy now <laughs> i know but you know i uh we no i'm the same way i i have some people that that i do like that um that don't like what i do but you go but i, I but again i know why it's like it's the, you don't always find the people that like you, but there is this thing of like the generation right above you that you're replacing is not going to like you as much as you think they do. <laughs> right. And because you're and, them 10 years ago. And it's that thing. It's like, they may be still above you, but it's that old thing, like three people on a ladder, which one is it better to be the one that's still climbing. Right. And I think that there's a lot of resentment and you're like, why wouldn't you like me? And it's like, the answer is because you're replacing them currently. Like that's the reason. Yeah. Nobody, nobody ever. Well, I can't say this. There used to be a saying, which worked until the other day, 
nobody ever uh, disses someone, you know, way below them on the ladder. But yeah. of course, that, Seinfeld disproved that. But uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. You're a popular cultural figure. And, but 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 I I think always good to learn from. Like you can't like let's say you don't like Louis C.K. for some reason because of what what happened and whatever. You still can't deny that. Um, what happened with him? Y- 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 <laughs> No, no, I mean, did he have a controversy? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 just the old controversy. (laughs) Like, because some people will refuse to talk about Louis C.K., Louis C.K.'s comedy because he was canceled like years ago. But, like, you can't deny that he's like one of the best comedians ever. And learning and studying his technique and his skill is like a huge benefit to any student of comedy. I mean, the guy's hilarious. And who knows about the controversy? That's not my job. But, uh, uh, you know, just like Seinfeld's really great at what he does. So, but. Again, Ryan Seinfeld, if you're listening, you still can't. I'm going to say I'm putting a bar on him from performing at Stand Up New York, even if you want. (laughs) If he wants wants either of us to open for him, then (laughs) that's fine. James will come open for you if you want. Right. So, uh, but Ryan, thanks so much. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Hopefully, I see you soon in person when things are back up and running, not too crazy long. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I hope that happens. And um, Ryan Long Comedy on YouTube and your future book and your and the Boys Cast podcast. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.